Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is May 2nd. And more importantly, it is that time where we ask the eternal question, Mother, may I have another one of those Bad black movies. Oh, bad black movies. Vincent's favorite time of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's like having a root canal once a year. <laughs> For a month. For a whole For a month. month. For a whole For month, month, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. We are going to be bringing you nothing but the mm, creme de la creme of African-American Film awfulness. Yes. Yes. Kicking yes, things yes. off with Vincent's selection from 1995, that Tybo master himself, Billy Blanks. Billy Blanks. And when he's around, you can expect no mercy. No mercy at all. Vincent, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. How was your weekend? Oh, it was a good weekend. Yeah. Good weekend. Friend of mine got married, so it's always good. You know, That's always good. Love, love. Love weddings, birthday parties, and graduations. Yeah, so nice. Was it like a? Uh, was it a nice wedding? Was it? A it was. Wedding? It was. We we went to went out of town. Really? Yeah, we were on a resort. Destination so, wedding. A destination wedding. So it was nice. I got a little sun and sat in the pool. Ooh. Had drinks in the pool. I mean, copious amounts of alcohol in water. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So, and, and yourself? Uh, I and a couple of friends, we went to the NFL draft oh. in Kansas City and had a ball. Excellent. Rooting on the Eagles, who many consider won the draft, as it were. Oh, well, I'm glad. With all of our picks. And we enjoyed um, copious amounts of barbecue. All right. Were you in a pool eating barbecue? <laughs> we were not in a pool. Okay. We were in a, in a barbecue. Uh, I was laying on a bed. Okay. Excellent. Eating barbecue. Excellent. <laughs> God, you, you had a meat sweats. Like, you, so much you had a meat sweats? <laughs> I didn't have meat sweats. No, I had a meat no. sweats? Okay. I didn't have meat sweats. But what I did have, I was there in Kansas City for, for three days. Okay. And I did manage to have one salad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, your your arteries thank you for that. Hey, I wanted to eat right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, with that out of the way. Okay. Which is what I said to the salad. Yeah. <laughs> I turned to our show, ladies and gentlemen, and we kick things off, as always, with missives from the missionaries. Oh, who are we here from? We heard from uh, Michelle Jacobs. Hey, Michelle. Uh, she actually listened, went back into the archives a little bit. Okay, okay. And listened to our review of Strictly Business. Oh, okay. Which is a movie that we reviewed alongside Dorian and Simone. I was about to say that was with Princess Show. Yeah. Uh, Michelle says, I played this episode again recently while I was traveling. Okay. Oh my God, I laughed even harder than the first time. 
She says that Simone, Simone Missick, yes, needs to do more comedy. I've said that literally we for have, years. We have said that to her face. For years. Um, all of you were so funny. I'm sorry, however, Oscar-winning actress Halle Berry was terrible in this movie. She was not good in her defense. She didn't have a lot to work with. She did not have a lot to work with or a work against. And this is very early in her. Right, right. I think the only direction that was given to her was to be pretty. Pretty much. And I think she nailed that. Well, she nailed that. Yes. Yeah, she she's got that down. Yeah. yeah. Like like Miss Barry, we need you to be pretty. Yes. Yes. Just walk into this set. Right. So so you know. There you go. Um, we also heard from Morgan Robinson. Hey, what's up, Morgan? Hi, Vincent Len. I recently discovered you from your visit to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And I, New friends of the show. We love that. Love them brothers. And I have been hooked ever and since. Sisters. Y'all have been helping me push through the end of my semester. And I really appreciate hearing your hilarious and, in, and insightful thoughts on so many films. Well, you as a college professor should be able to appreciate hey, that. Always. Do you hear from any of your students saying that we help them get through? I don't. I try and keep things compartmentalized. Okay. All right. It's almost like a secret identity. Really? I mean, not really. So they, so they don't know that you do a podcast? They, they don't. <laughs> I don't have like an alias or anything. But you're teaching, aren't you like teaching pop culture? I, sometimes. There's a lot of overlap. And yet. And yet. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, mm, there, there you go. That's marketing 101. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Morgan continues. I love a bad black movie. So your mother may I series during my birthday month has been a particular favorite of mine. Well, Morgan, we got one for you tonight. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to recommend a couple of movies. I haven't seen you all cover, but I think are great candidates for the series. Okay. Def Jam's How to Be a Player. And Gigi. Is directed by Chris uh, Sherrod of Have Plenty Fame and is a modern retelling of yeah, The Great, Great Gatsby. Gatsby. Yeah. It's also a poorly acted, hot ass <laughs> mess. Oh, except no. for Blair Underwood. Was it Blair, Blair Underwood? Yeah, Blair Underwood underreplaced the Tom character. Oh, really? Okay. I've not seen this. Yeah. I've not seen it at all. Um, How to Be a Player is one of my. Bad black movie comfort watches. It's so ridiculous that I can't look away. I hope these are interesting suggestions and can one day make it onto the mission. Keep up the fantastic work. Best of to you, Morgan. So you're familiar with this, Gigi? Yeah, yeah. As, as she said, it's it's it is a hip hop reinterpretation of The Great Gatsby, and it actually makes perfect sense because. I'm pretty sure I saw it. It kind of frames Gatsby mm -hmm. almost like a puffy character. Like, you know, the whole, like, I don't know if you've read The Great Gatsby since high school. Do you remember the story? I like, like, Jay Gatsby is nouveau rich. Right, nouveau right. Rich. He's, he's new rich. He's new rich. Right. He had fallen in love with this woman named Daisy, who was kind of old money mm -hmm. when he was in the military. Now time is when he was poor. Mm-hmm. He got money and it's real shaky and kind of sketchy 
how he got the money. Okay. Now he has money mm -hmm. and meets back up with Daisy uh, with Daisy in the Hamptons. That's from the novel. Okay. So this is sort of the same story. And Daisy is married to a dude mm -hmm. who's like old money. Okay. Complications. Okay. Of, of course. And in, in the movie, Gatsby, like even in the book, Gatsby is like, I don't know if he's a bootlegger. Or which would make sense for around the time that it's right, it's right, early of right, right. It's like the jazz age. He's like a bootlegger, or or or, or like he's a criminal ass dude, right? And then in in GG or G, because I thought it was just G. Okay, he, he I don't remember G, but I, he's like Puffy basically. Okay. So I don't know if he's a hip hop mogul or something, but anyway. It goes from there. Blair Underwood plays the Puffy character. No, Blair Underwood play Tom is Daisy's husband in the novel. So Tom is the old money dude. So it makes, you know, you think about it. Blair Underwood very much seems like a dude who's like third generation upper middle class. And Okay. Well, so I, I wasn't sure what year this was. So. It's like, not, I mean, it's Blair Underwood. So he looked like he's 35. That's very Since true. 1952. That's so, true. Um, you know, Blair Underwood plays like the Tom character. Um... What's my man's name? Richard Jones? Richard T. Jones? Richard T. Jones, I think, plays Gatsby. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting cast. And then old girl who played Haviland in Have Plenty plays the Daisy character. I don't remember the film at all, but Morgan says it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's a hot piece of yeah, Morgan not says as piece of best. Mm -hmm. Um, and recommends it for Mother May I. Yeah. So maybe, maybe. How you feel about Players Club? I mean, how to be a player. How you feel about Bill Bellamy? <sighs> I'm not a Bill Bellamy fan for the most part. Uh huh. Um, and he's not anyone I could ever thought I would see leading a film. Mm hmm. I think I've seen How to Be a Player, but if I have, I remember nothing about it, which makes sense. I think Bill Bellamy, because I have a visceral kind of distaste for him. Yeah. Which makes me think he's good at his job. Well, well I think Bill Bellamy counts himself first as a comedian. Right. And I've never found him to be that funny as a comedian. So right. But I think that's his whole his deal. Like, like, I think he's always he supposed to be like, like swarmy. Yeah. Like, like right. Right. Like, like, like I always think about him in Love Jones where I thought he was perfect. Yeah. See, see, in Love Jones, he's not bad, but I think what he's, I don't know. I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that he is supposed to be. Like that's supposed to be Terrence Howard in that role in Love Jones. Like bad, but there's still like you could see why he's still one of the one Something of the players. Yeah. You're right. And Bill Bellamy, like you, you don't understand why they are right, hanging out right, with right, him right, right, at all, especially after you know he gets with Nia Long. Right, right. You know, so yeah, I like he he just doesn't. Does do, do it for me. I mean, yeah. I understand that he's like everybody's friend in Hollywood. No, no, God bless. No, that's why I think it's got to be an act, and he's just really good at it. I don't know. But Morgan, we will put both of those on the docket. Uh, we got one more email. One more email. 
Vincent. Um, and this is from Don Day. Hey, Don Day. I am so upset Uh-oh. that I am now just finding out about this podcast in 2023. Oh, okay, good. You got it was an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> you guys are such a joy to listen to, and you've reignited oh, my God. love of black cinema. Okay. Oh, I was honored to have been taught by the great Professor Donald Bogle as nice. a Rutgers underground and fangirl whenever I see him on classic movie channels. I enjoy watching all types of films, series, etc., and often find myself watching alone as my husband enjoys more action-type movies. Okay. My son enjoys anime and encourages me to watch from time to time, but thankfully, my daughter has agreed to enroll in Mama School of Blackity Black Movies, You Should Know, and now I have a whole new list of films we can watch together Thanks to the Michelle mission. Oh, that's fantastic. Lastly, how do I get my triple name? I need one. Oh, that's that's triple business. That's triple business. That's, that's triple that's business. Triple business. So you can take care of that email of her, let her know. I will email Send you. Send her the form. <laughs> let her know how she can come come Send with her, her own triple non-diploma. You need a blue pen, not a black pen. <laughs> You have a triple name. Yeah. It's uh, Jack. Jack Tribble. That's right. Jack of, all, Jack of all trades. Master of none. That's right. That's right. And I'm the bad triple. And we have triples of all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. We will actually have a few triples on here on this on the show um, later in the summer. So, oh, okay. There you go. Stay tuned. And, and maybe at that time, Don Day, we can uh, induct you into our triple nation. Speaking of triple stuff, this is a perfect segue. Ooh, programming. Because the Black Tribbles was a podcast that I did for over 10 years, mm-hmm. which looked at being a geek from, you know, a black point of point of view. Mm-hmm. And we get, would get into everything super geeky, you know, movies, cartoons, anime, um, video games, and comic books, mm-hmm. which is where uh, the... Our geek, along with movies and right, television, right. kind of like great right, right. because you're a huge geek. Oh. I wanted to have fun for the top five. I know okay. usually we try to connect it with the movies. Sure. But who wants to connect with this stuff? Oh, I think you could make it. But, but well, no, you, you could. You could. You could. But um, that would just be a waste of time. Top five. Who's your top five? Top five. Top five. This week, Vincent, Mm -hmm. in honor of you, who is a huge comic book head. I am. This is the top five. The DC in DC Comics stands for Dumb Crackers. Oh, my goodness. Because this is five times where DC Comics got race in comics Totally wrong. Totally wrong. Oh, boy. Only five. Only five. Okay. Well, it's the top five. Okay. All right. All right. Starting with number five. Okay. Number. F- okay. Let's see if I can contain my nerd rage because there's a couple is well, a couple I think of that get me real worked up. So let's. All right. What's number five? I think this one may be one. I don't know whether or not you actually ever thought about this. All right. What's, what is it? But DC's response, number five, DC's response to Black Panther 
was a white guy as the only superhero in Africa. <laughs> wait, wait, is this Moana Beast? <laughs> I know my Vincent. That wasn't an answer to Black Panther. Well, though. six months, a mere really? six months after Marvel debuted Black Panther, the first black superhero in Main Street. Wow. DC presented a Africa-based hero of their own by the catchy name of Bawana Beast, the Jungle Master. Wow. Now, for context, Rupert Zambezi Kamboya was the son of a rich tribal chief who was Bawana Beast's best friend. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm familiar with the whole... Yeah, I just yes, didn't know yes. it was that Rupert Kam Kamboya is a black character, yeah. as you might uh, guess. The actual hero of the show is the generic blonde guy next to him, Michael Mike Maxwell. That's right. Which is possibly the whitest possible name calculated. Uh, who uses his superior physique and animal-related powers to save African villagers who either <laughs> ignorantly hate him or rabidly idolize How about they worship him? That's right. Bawana, by the way, means boss or master. Yes, it does. Swahili. Yes, it does. It was a word often used by um, natives in old jungle movies to praise their white saviors. Bawana Beast was supposed to have a five-issue miniseries in 1967, but it was canceled after the second one because none of DC's artists wanted anything to do with the book. I did not know Bawana Beast premiered in the 60s. Mm -hmm. I could have sworn this was a 50s thing. No, the 60s. And not just the 60s. Six months after Black Wow. Panther. That is crazy. You know Grant Morrison fix, fixes this in Animal Man. Does he? Does he make him black? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he does. Mike he, Maxwell right. hands the mantle to a black guy and they change the name to Freedom Beast. Mm. And wow. Yeah. It's so interesting that this happened six months after Black Panther because what happens the month that Black Panther comes out with DC, I'm wondering if it's on this list. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Well, let's see. Let's if continue. it's not, I always, because this is one of the things that en enrages me to no end. So go ahead. All right. Well, number four. Number four. DC Comics wouldn't let a legion of superheroes character there it is. be black. So that's right. The writer just killed him. Oh wait. Yeah, it's not what you think. I know what you're thinking about. Right. This is not what you're thinking about. Who I think you? I know. What, I think I know. Wait. What okay. About. So who was this? Uh huh. The Legion of Superheroes. Who you are aware? Of, yes, was a DC comic starring a whole bunch of superheroes who were in their teens. Mm -hmm. They were famously written by teenage Jim Shooter. That's right. Who started writing it in 1966 when he was 13, 14 actually. Uh, he decided it would be groovy if at least one of these super people who were all either white mm -hmm. or because they were alien, green, of different colors, orange. green, orange, or whatever. Blue. He decided that it would be groovy if at least one of them was black. Mm -hmm. So on his first issue, he introduced the character named Pharaoh Lad. Yeah, that's it. 
planning to, to later take off his mask and reveal that he was, in fact, a dark-skinned black man. The idea was that no one would even comment on his race mm -hmm. because the comic was set in the 30th century. Right, which is when, important. It was important to know, which is when mankind doesn't even remember what the whole racism thing right. was about. Right. Unfortunately, the book set in the 30th century was produced in the 20th century mm -hmm. where Jim Shooter's editors vetoed the idea editors or one editor in particular because DC would lose distribution in the South. Yes. Even when Shooter offered to keep Pharaoh Ladd's mask on the whole time, the editor still thought that this unseen blackface mm -hmm. would be too much for America to handle. Frustrated, Shooter dealt with this setback by coming up with a story that required a Pharaoh Lad to blow himself up and essentially sacrifice himself right. um, for the for the fate of the world. Right. Um, Jim Shooter uh, said in his own words, I killed him off because it annoyed me that I couldn't do with him what I wanted. Yes. He doesn't take his mask off. In fact, they say in the story, Jim Shooter's commentary was, he said, I can't take my mask off because my visage is too horrible. Yes. To be seen. Right. Which was a direct reference to the racial issue. And after that, like when they've used the character since he's had a horribly disfigured, disfigured face. face. But right. that was Jim Shooter directly talking about race. And I like to call the bastard out. You're saying editors, Mort Weisinger. Yes. Mort, Mort Weisinger is the editor mm -hmm. who said you can't be black and Mort Weisinger made a number of decisions oh yes during his tenure as DC's uh, editor-in-chief mm -hmm. about race and talking about putting it within context apparently this was six months before Bawana Beast because this is the same month that, that black, black Panther. Panther premiered in Fantastic Four it it was the same, it, and I think it was the same month. That was the month that Pharaoh Lad died. I think Pharaoh right. Lad had been introduced right. earlier. Right, but it's the same month. Pharaoh Lad, Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's my like this is my one right here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Whew. Three more, huh? We got three more. All right. Go ahead. All right. Are they all doing more Weisinger's reign? Uh, that's a good question. I would say no. Okay. Number three. Number three. Perhaps. Um, number three. The planet Krypton mm -hmm. and Earth's utopian future were both racially segregated. Yes. Yes. Now, this was one that I did not know beforehand. In the 70s, DC, real, DC Comics realized that it was time to address the fact that their version of the 30th century, mm -hmm. as we picked mm -hmm. it out, was pretty much uh, primarily white. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying that, you know, hey, the black people just didn't appear in the panel, <laughs> um, their, sol <laughs> their solution, was like the, the, the brother was just around the corner. Right, no, right. that wasn't it. Their solution was to reveal <laughs> that black people were there all along they just happen to live in an all-black <laughs> island Marzal. called Marzal. <laughs> That's right. And not only was it an island that was all-black, 
This island drifted in and out of this dimension. It wasn't around all the time. Every 200 years or so. Right, 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 right. The U.S. The US uh, had just gotten rid of segregation, and D.C. was already trying to give it a crappy right, sci-fi right, reboot. Right, right, right. Um, Marzell, however, served as an excuse to introduce a black hero. yes. If you can consider <laughs> a Jim Brown wannabe <laughs> with sound powers and a disco themed suit, a hero. His power was yelling. <laughs> Tyrock's power was yelling. He was a yeah, it was a loud, angry black man. Who had the power of yelling? Named Tyrock. Which just coincidentally sounds like Tyrone. Exactly. It's just a coincidence. Don't think that didn't that was lost some people. The artist who designed the uh the character, Mike Grell, says that he was he had been trying to introduce a black character for a while, but he kept getting stalled off by the editors. Uh, I uh, um, this but, might still be Weisinger. <laughs> it is because yeah, he was the head yeah, of the superhero Weisinger. Yeah. Uh, so, but then they sprung Tyrock on him. <laughs> Mike Grell immediately hated the, the whole concept, so he intentionally gave Tyrock a stupid costume somewhere between uh, an Elvis Las Vegas costume and something that you would imagine a pimp on a street corner wearing. He succeeded, and no one used the Legion's first black character for over 10 years. Yeah. Or, or very sparingly. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrock always ended up on monitor duty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I knew about that. Yeah. The part that I didn't know about mm -hmm. was that Superman's editor, Mort Weisinger, was dealing with the same problem and came up with the same solution. How come you never saw any black people in the dozens of flashback stories set in on the planet Krypton? That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was a colony of super N words on Krypton. They all lived together in Bathlo Island. Okay, yes. Condescendingly described as the home of a highly developed black race. Yes. Yes. In other words. Yes. DC Comics' yeah. idea of a futuristic utopian society yeah. consisted of cramming all the black people in the universe onto islands that may not even exist in the same dimension as ours and occasionally forgot about them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mort Weisinger is, is one of my sacred cows, my comic book sacred cows that I fight any man over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two. There are still two more. There's still two more. Okay. What's Examples the where the DC yeah. DC comics yeah. stands for dumb cra dumb yeah. ass crackers. Yeah. Yeah. What's number two? The Green Lantern, known as John Stewart. Yes. Was almost named Lincoln Washington. <laughs> Shut the fuck down. <laughs> You are you are lying. No, I am not. <laughs> Green Lantern John Stewart. <laughs> 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 
even I can't even do the what is the name? What is the name that white people think black people have? That's wow, that wins. Mm, 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 mm. Now, the whole story of how Jon Stewart uh came about is full of narrowly avoided awfulness. In the Green Lantern comics, magic rings from outer space find the most fearless person in each part of the universe and induct them into the cosmic police sure, force known sure. as the Green Lantern Corps. Sure. Sure. On Earth, the first and second worthiest people happen to be white American Sure, males. sure. That would, of course, be Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner. Right. Mm -hmm. When artist Neil Adams mm -hmm. asked his editor if he thought the ring's third pick should be white too, the editors said, yes, obviously, to sell comics. Yes. They'd already shown, mind you, in the in the Green Lantern Courts that there are pink. Yeah. Orange, sure, and blue Green Lanterns, as as one does. There are even cat lanterns. They're just cat lanterns. But one who looks like some of their own readers yeah. were black. Yeah, yeah, that was just considered commercial suicide. Sure, sure. Southern distributors is what I always hear about. Right. So Neil Adams convinced the editor to give the idea of a black Green, green Lantern a try, but he had to go out of his way to make it clear that he wasn't willing to draw a gang member or some <laughs> primitive tribesman or a 19th century slave who'd just fallen into a time warp. <laughs> just a this is fantastic. Adams insisted that it had to be a regular person with, sure, sure, with a regular sure, person name. Sure. The next hiccup came when Adams colored Stewart with a realistic black skin tone, not the gray or khaki color that was used back then. Sure. Um, and DC head of production said, Neil, this is a very awfully brown color you use. Don't you think that some black people will be offended? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, because black folks love seeing themselves colored as if they were made out of pants. Sure, no, absolutely. Sure, brown. sure, sure. Um, fortunately, Adam stuck to his guns and DC ended up with this first African-American superhero and proceeded to ignore him for the next 10 years uh, as, as well. However, there was a moment that where his name was originally going to be Lincoln Washington and is only because of Neil Adams' adamant veto. So did Denny O'Neill? Was Denny O'Neill gonna? Denny O'Neill was the writer. Neil right. Adams is the artist. So was Denny O'Neill gonna name him Lincoln Washington? It doesn't say here that it was Denny O'Neill. I want to think just because of what I have read about it, you're right. About doesn't even sound like something he do. That it, that it sounds like anything that he would do. It sounds like this is something like the editors. This came from to, upstairs. Came from upstairs. Okay. And Neil Adams, by everything we know about him, Neil right. was about doing what Neil wanted. To right, do. right, right. I'm and, not drawing that. Yeah. And by this time, he had the stroke to kind of like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was the one to put his foot down, <laughs> and thus we had John Stewart. <laughs> Lincoln Washington yes. is the greatest racist name I've ever heard in my entire life. I feel like I've heard like it beat Tyrock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like Lincoln Washington, I, like there's a Lincoln Washington out there in the in the in the in, the, in like the geek sphere so, somewhere. Sorry, somewhere. All right. Is number one the brown bomber? Let's see. Okay. 
Number one. Number one. The number one reason why the DC and DC Comics stands for dumbass crackers is Black Lightning. Okay. Was almost a racist white guy. Yeah. Who turns black. That's right. Under stress. So it's, it's the brown bomber. It's the brown bomber. It's the brown bomber. Fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, all you lovers of the CW's Black Lightning show, that easily could have been the CW's brown bomber or the black bomber, actually. Tell, tell the missionaries about the bomber. Okay. I will tell you about this. <clears throat> the black bomber was a white racist mm-hmm. who had the superpower. Of turning black under stress. Yes. This was due to experiments performed on him during the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah. To let white soldiers blend into the jungle. (laughs) Because that's easier than just spending $10 on some camo paint. Now. Tax dollars at work. Some of you, I'm sure, are asking, how do you know that the guy was racist? He was so racist (laughs) that the original script included a scene where he accidentally saved a black baby and was horrified that he, quote, unquote, risked his life for a jungle bunny. (laughs) And it's not like he starts racist and then reconsiders. uh, Right. No, no. Because he has to live as a black man. Because his secret identity as the Black Bomber is so secret that even he doesn't know about it. Right, that's right. The heroic Black Bomber himself also lives in blissful ignorance that he is in fact the split personality of a white racist. Yeah. Writers Jerry Conway and Bob Kaniger wrote two scripts for this series in 1976, mm-hmm. but weren't able to continue for whatever reason. <laughs> DC was determined to publish their first comic headlined by a black superhero. So they asked Tony Isabella, who had written Luke Cage. Yes. Before Marvel to punch up the scripts a little bit. Yes. And continue with the story. I Isabella had a better idea. Flush this dreck down the toilet and use the completely different character he invented called Black lightning. Yes. And thus a crisis. Yes. Was avoided. Postscript? Uh, postscript about black lightning? Uh, no, about black bomber. Oh, about the black bomber. What? Dwayne McDuffie, the late great Dwayne McDuffie, mm-hmm. um, who wrote a run of the Justice League yeah. back in the early aughts. And he actually brought the character Black Bomber in. No, he didn't. Yeah, and like Vixen. And in John Stewart, like they, they were, you know, they, they clowned them, but yeah, but he bought like the black bomber canonical as yet in a white racist way. It was the black bomber. Get out of here. Like the white dude came in, did, you know, I think maybe he could control his powers, but then he turned to a black dude in a hoodie with the Afro. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. So he's actually in continuity. Oh my God. You know what? I like that. Yeah. I like that. Oh yeah. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. I like, I like the way, cause the way McDuffie, God bless yes. that man. Mm-hmm. He, he wants you to face your death. That's right. That's right. That's why whenever any of this comes up, 
I I I will Mort Weisinger you from the good old the editor. No, I wasn't no editors. It was Mort Weisinger. There you go. So there you, there go. you go. And that is comic history for the missionaries. There you go, ladies. There and you go. Well done. Um, Farrell Blackwell says, "Why do I feel there's an unpublished panel somewhere of a black superhero doing jazz hands?" Yeah. <laughs> Last little blackie, because he said unpublished. You know what one of my grails is? What? You know Jack Kirby, when he was when he came back to DC, or when he came to DC, he pitched a whole bunch of ideas. That's, yeah, yeah. That's how how we got the fourth world, dark side, this and a, one of his ideas was a um, romance comic that featured black people. Yes, yes. You and remember I the name? No, Soul Love. Soul Love. Was never published, but there's, there's, they, they, he's got some art. There's art floating around. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. art floating around. And you know, I'm not an original art person, mm -hmm. but like if I had, like if, if I had the opportunity, I always wanted to own the art from Soul Love. Ooh. Do you ever like go diving? Like I don't at all because I'm scared that I won't find it. But then I'm also scared that I will find it. And I'm not sure how I, how I how I present that at the family meeting. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, that you spent this much this much money because it's gone. So, hun, <laughs> I took out a loan <laughs> for twenty thousand dollars. Oh yeah, I, I I do remember reading about mm -hmm. that. You know, the next best thing is probably to um, buy the Jack Kirby Collector um, quarterly magazine. Yeah. Oh, I've seen I've, I've I've seen the art. Oh, okay, I've seen all the art. Yeah, so. All right. But yeah. That's the key. Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Vincent will attempt to connect in six movies or less to an actor that I give him. Derville Martin, 70s soul love man. A one-man soul lover. He was. He was. Vincent, are you ready? I am ready. Now, again, I didn't want to connect to this stupid movie. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I mean, look, if, if I connected to this movie, it would have been all like Israeli actors. Like, you, how are you going to connect to them? There's only one outside of Billy Blanks and perhaps Wolf Larson, who I only know from Billy Blank movies. Mm -hmm. There's only one other actor in this film that we're going to be reviewing who at least I knew. Mm -hmm. from other stuff and I mostly know her from television right so yeah I didn't I didn't connect to her but I did find okay other actors to connect and I guess now that I think about it there is a tangential connection okay to expect no mercy because expect no mercy features Billy Blanks but it also features his brother is in this movie as well mm -hmm. um, I think Michael Blanks yeah yeah they actually look like it's actually you can see it in a film of nonsense. It's actually kind of distracting. Yes, because you, you're throwing off a little bit. It's like, are they using Billy Blank's stunt double as a character? No, it's his brother. Yeah, it's his brother. So because of that, I selected two actors mm -hmm. who have 
other actors in their family. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And number one, mm-hmm. in six films or less. Six films or less. Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. William Baldwin. Billy Baldwin? Yes. Billy Baldwin. Mm-hmm. See, my problem is I don't know if I'm looking at him or Steven. Ah, that's a good that's a uh, good point. Yeah, I don't think. Well, name the movie and I'll tell you which one you're looking at. Remember, Steven primarily did goofy movies. Is that Steven in Posse? In Posse, I believe that is Steve. That's Steven. Because he's like a nut. He's a nut job. Yes. What the hell was Billy in? He's, he's got a pretty extensive filmography. There's at least one or two movies I. Pretty sure you're aware of. Cause he become like a pundit or something. Oh, does he? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I know. Don't all the Baldwin's believe that everybody wants to hang on to everyone. No, I think like one of the Baldwin's is a real asshole. I think it might be Billy. Which which one is that? They're no. all, they've all got. What's the last thing Billy was in? Last thing that Billy Baldwin was in was in twenty. And well, he was in something called South Wind that came out sometime this year. Um, was he in weird religious stuff? Like I thought Billy was like on some real weird, like oh, some conservative type. Maybe he did a movie in 2019 that is a direct to video sequel. To the movie that is probably his biggest hit. Which is what? Well, if I tell you, oh, well, this will help you. So we're not here all day. Um, Backdraft 2. Billy Bowen was in Backdraft? Yeah, yeah. He's like like one of the main stars in that movie. All right. And Backdraft is, um, you only need to know one other name. Hey, Backdraft. Good film. It is a good film. I'm just, I feel like it's one of it's not what the bad thing is I'm seeing. Oh, boy. Wait, Backdraft. It's not Bruce Willis. Mm-mm. Or Kevin Costner. Mm-mm. I think you, you're, you're working around it. Tom Cruise. Duh, please. Tom Cruise doesn't need any other stars. And there's a bit of an, a little bit of a small ensemble in Backdraft. I am blanking on who's in Backdraft and I'm looking right at it. It's not Michael Keaton. No, not Michael Keaton. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah, it was Backdraft. Who was that? Um, starting from the bottom, J.T. Walsh. Okay. Jason Gedrick. Jason Gedrick? That's... You know what? Don't go any further. I'll use Jason Gedrick. You sure? I'm absolutely positive because um, Derville Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier, 
who's in Oregon, who's in a raisin in the sun with Louis Gossett Jr., who's in Iron Eagle with Jason Gedrick, who apparently is in backdraft with Billy Baldwin. Yes, who's in backdraft with Billy Baldwin. But who's its star? Robert De Niro, Donald Sutherland, Rebecca De Mornay, Jennifer Jason Lee, Scott Glenn, William Baldwin, who is the second, uh, and its star, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. That's who you were working your way around. Right, right. Kurt Russell, who we'll be discussing next week when you do Solo, because I was thinking about his version of Solo, which was, um, was it Soldier? Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about Kurt Russell. Yeah, okay. All right. Very good. Yeah. Well, you got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Took you a little bit, but you got yeah. there. Yeah. All right, this next one I think is going to be a lot easier. All right. Uh, in six movies or less. All right, Family of Actors. Who we got? Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. Goldie Hawn. Oh. <laughs> well. Um, We actually have a little fun. I can get to Goldie Hawn really quickly. I know. But since you brought him up, let's see if I can do this. Because Derville Martin... Oh, I think I can do this. Let me go. Okay, let me wait. Let me get my connection. <laughs> so Derville Martin, stop, stop, stop. Because I got to, I got to make sure I stitch it together just right. Yeah, don't pull the raw string. Derville Martin. There it is. There it is. All right, I hope I don't hope, okay. I don't want to run out. Okay, so Derville Martin is in Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore. Right. Rudy Ray Moore is in The Monkey Hustle with Yafet Kodo. Gotcha. Yafet Kodo is in Truck Turner. Yes. With Isaac Hayes. Yes. Isaac Hayes mm-hmm. is in Escape from New York okay. with Kurt Russell. Very good. Who's in, what is it, Man Overboard or Overboard? Overboard. Overboard with Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. There you go. There you go. I wanted to use Kirk Russell, Kirk Russell, because you brought up Kirk Russell. Well, there you so go. I was trying to and weave in Kurt Russell. And he is Mr. Goldie Hawn. And he is Mr. Goldie Hawn. But you can get to Goldie Hawn immediately just by with, with um, Dick Anthony Williams and Wesley Snipes. And then you get the Wildcats. Wildcats. Why don't I know that movie? Because remember, she was the high school coach. Oh, that's right. The high school football that's coach. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Very early Wesley Snipes. Yeah. yeah. Very early that's Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Yeah, that's real early. Yeah. That's the type. All right. Well, very good. That's yeah, there you go. You knocked that out. There and you, you go. got Overboard. Which and I got Overboard. My sister, uh, Adrian, will be happy to hear that. It's her, a really funny movie. It's a very funny movie. Yeah. That is her favorite movie of all time. It's not a bad choice. It's so much so. Then not only does she know the script by heart, not only do her children know the script by heart, mm-hmm. now her grandchildren know the script by heart. The movie comes on and they just sit there reciting the entire film. Not a bad choice. Not a bad time at the theater. Yeah. Not a bad time at the theater. All right. All right. Very good, Vincent. Very proud of you. All right. Well, with that over, 
with ladies and gentlemen let's get into let's our get into review it. let's get into it this review you had best <laughs> expect no mercy expect no mercy we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages future and it's not real the master of virtual reality is about to get a reality check from two opponents that he can't turn off with a switch No mercy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. 1995 action science fiction film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. written and directed by Zale Dalen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Starring one Billy Blanks mm-hmm. as agent, wait for it, Justin Veneer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? After Lincoln, after Lincoln Washington, I can't even be mad. You can't be mad at that. I can't right? be mad. You can't. You know what? <laughs> You can't. Everybody else gets a pass. White script writers who have never met any black people in their entire lives get a pass for the next six months. But but there's a thing about Justin Veneer, and I'll talk about it later or see if you pick up on it. Uh, uh, stars Billy Blanks, Jalal Murray as Agent Eric. <laughs> Why don't he have no last name? Nobody else has a name. <laughs> well, Justin Veneer does. He's, Justin, he's the only person. That and I guess Warbuck has one name. It, it's a Wolf Larson <laughs> stars as Warbeck. <laughs> Anthony the Longest is Damien. <laughs> the aforementioned Michael Blanks is Spider. Rio Andrews, that's his real name, is Alexander. <laughs> And a very young and obviously unaware what she was in for, <laughs> Laurie Holden mm-hmm. plays Vicky. Yep. You know Laurie Holden from some some much better fare as The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? In this film, that premise, so that I'll spare Vincent this torture. 
a virtual reality martial arts academy. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. Let me run that back for you in case you missed it. A virtual reality martial arts academy is being used as a front. Oh, no. For a group of highly skilled assassins. <laughs> and the U.S. government has called in their own top martial arts master. One agent Justin Veneer. Justin Veneer. To put a stop to this gang of killers. Mm -hmm. That's right. This was Vincent's selection. Look. For this stop. Look. On Mother, may I have another one of those bad black movies? Yes. Yes, it, yes, it was. What do you have to say for yourself, Vincent? Well, the first thing that I have to do, frankly, is apologize a little <laughs> bit. Not because this film is terrible, because that is the premise of this whole month, and all of these films are terrible. But I have to say there is a good chance that I probably cheated a little bit. Mm. As we all know, the, the mission is we review every black film that has been released in theaters for right. over the, the over the past few years. We've kind of massaged it a bit and said, you know, things that went to film festivals and right. on the circuit. I don't know if Expect No Mercy was ever in the actual theaters outside of the theater of Billy Blank's mind. No, right. you're correct. Because this film is very much an example of the type of films that came out, I'd say starting in the mid eighties. Yeah. Probably starting mid to later eighties, mid yeah. to late eighties, well into the nineties of direct to video films, films that, that had, you know, for our younger missionaries, you have to understand there was, there was this really, Fertile, and, and we can talk about the quality that came out during the period, but there was this fertile moment where cable was 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And the transition from television on on a 12 hour on a 12 hour schedule to a 24 hour schedule. And the advent of video stores where yes. you would go and you would rent videos to come in and watch. People needed product. <laughs> needed, people needed product. You needed and, stuff and on those shelves. You needed stuff on the shelves. We have 24 hours of this television station to fill. Mm -hmm. So you had this proliferation of these films that were probably when the, uh, the adage content is king came in. It, it, it really is. And this is a perfect example of the type of martial arts film that was rushed out in a number of months, dare I say weeks, mm -hmm. on a shoestring budget and and sent to the video stores or it would play on cable. I mentioned last week I I, I know I saw this movie because I saw all of the Billy Blanks movies. Like this period of time was when I would come in late 
Mm. And and you know how you come in after being out and you're still kind of revved up. Yeah. yeah. So you can't go to sleep. And I would come in and 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 my brother Damon would be awake. You know, there are five years between us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I was like 17, 18 and I'd come in and I'm still kind of amped up and Damon was like 12 or 13 and he's always been a night owl. Okay. So I would come in at like two or three in the morning and Damon would be wandering right there. Around, right, right there. Wandering. So we would sit and watch these movies. Amazingly low budget, amazingly badly acted, amazingly again, just shoestring budget. But there's a, there's a certain charm to them if you like it. Mm. You know, if you like it, it's like, look at, you know, look at them trying. <laughs> and in this realm, in this, this, you had Billy Blanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was always fascinated by Billy Blanks. You were. Because he was this low rent kind of action star. That mm. you would see in these movies, you know, there was a there was a bunch. Was that of these, were, were this was the movies like your introduction to him? Were you aware of the whole Tybo thing? This was way before Tybo. Oh, okay. Like this is years before Tybo. Oh, I say I didn't know that. I yeah. so many Tybo no, at this no, time. No, 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 no. Tybo was. I mean, look up Tybo real quick. What year's Tybo? Uh, I thought Tybo was like the night. No, no, no. Billy Blanks have been showing up in these movies at least since 1990, I saw. Really? No, it says in the late 80s, Blanks developed a Tybo workout. No, 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 no. I mean Tybo when when we found, like I know he used to train people mm -hmm. and like he had a studio, but like Tybo when he had the infomercials and all was after the movies. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Oh, it very much was. And the, re you can, the hair always tells. You go by the hair. Yeah, because he was he's always been Tybo Billy Blanks was always bald. Mm -mm. But that little piece of hair. Okay, that's true. That he has on top of his head. Yeah. Yeah. That's after Billy Blanks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And this film is a perfect example of what you get during this period. It is it it is it it, it is, you know, as you said, this agent is going undercover. And they're using virtual reality. And it's very much a 19, a mid 90s sort of depiction of technology mm -hmm. by people who don't understand any of this, which in their defense in 1995, most people didn't, we didn't understand know. any yeah. of this. Like, unless you like I always I have a friend who's a. Um, He's actually a computer engineer right now, and I'll never forget. He told me in probably 92, 93, he told me I should get an electronic mail account. And I laughed at him and said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my mouth in my in, in my life, an electronic mail. And I said to him, am I going to use electronic stamps for my electronic mail? And I laughed at him and told him he was a dummy. And then I went off in my ignorant way and got a milkshake or something. So, you know, the mid 90s, people didn't know. So you have this depiction of virtual reality <laughs> and, and the training sequences. And and the other thing that's probably really important to understand is that the video game Street Fighter comes out in 1987. Right. 
and Mortal Kombat comes out in 1992. Mm-hmm. So in 1995, you have these movies that are showing, you know, fights. Yes. And that's really what it is. And it's a terrible movie. It's a horrible movie. My two real observations, my two like Michelle Mission observations, well, one's a Michelle Mission observation and one is just a funny observation. We talked about the tension of race and these 90s or 80s to 90s action genre movies mm. when we talked about Action Jackson. Yes. And this sort of space where you have this black hero mm-hmm. and the template of the action movie where we're almost by definition, there's this homoeroticism that runs through it because it's all these oily, real muscly men so that the film has to show you that they're heterosexual. Like you think about the love interests in all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's films or 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 Sylvester Sylvester Stallone. Stallone's films or Jean-Claude Van Damme's films where they're not even really love interests. It's just women there to say, hey, these guys aren't gay. Right. But then you have race involved so that they don't really know how to sexualize these black men mm. in any kind of way. So we talked about an action Jackson. He was like this strangely almost asexual character. And then in this film, it's amazing to me. They don't even pretend he's going to have a love interest. Well, like, like not, no, not well, because I thought maybe the woman, you know, there was going to be something between the two of them. But then the other guy, right ends up with her and then that's just that's just it well the other guy that you you point out is um the actor Jalel um Murhi right who is the what do, what do they call him the not the Israeli the um he is Lebanese the Lebanese uh he's a Lebanese action star right right yeah so like he is kind of he is really positioned like Billy Blanks is supposed to kind of like bring like the American audience, but he is positioned to bring like the international audience. Right. But Billy Blanks is very much the lead. He is. But the other thing, and this goes back to him having the name Justin Veneer. Billy Blanks wasn't the first choice for this role. Right. I understand that. But I do wonder if the um other actor had played this role. Would there have been that dynamic? Would they have moved the love right. over? Because okay, well, I, right. I guess then we'll never know. right because he he's clearly the hero. Like like this is yeah, the he case. does have the big right the big like 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 he and he's the one that they bring in to infiltrate and like he's clearly yeah situated at the and then the other thing is the costume department needs to win a Nobel Peace Prize for the costumes. Because the costumes are so terrible. Oh, my God. They go around the bend to awesome. (laughs) Oh, really? So, again, it's virtual reality. So they they train the fighters at this academy in the the VR suite. They put that headset and they fight. And, again, it's very much influenced by the video games. If you've ever played Mortal Kombat or or Street, or Street Fighter. It's not just people fighting each other. It's, you know, you fight different people from 
different um, disciplines and different time frames and you fight monsters and all this. And you see a bit of this in this film mm-hmm. where he fights, you, you know, at one point there, they, when they're in the virtual reality, there's a samurai who shows up whose costume I'm 100% is made out of cardboard. <laughs> yeah. It looks pretty bad. There's an evil clown, the clown yes. that they fight the clown. There is a Fango. Yes. Who I thought Fango was going to be a bigger deal. And Fango is a big muscly white dude who is painted silver mm-hmm. with this shock hair on a wig and two lower fangs like a wall from like a walrus ass. But my absolute favorite costume in the entire film, including um Warbeck who wears capes in these straps and and the female lead whose name I forget but I do Vicky Vicky but I appreciate that no matter what the circumstance is no matter what Vicky is doing Vicky always has on a midriff yes like Vicky's training she got a midriff Vicky is working in the office doing some office work she got a midriff, she got a midriff. Yes. Vicky's undercover she got on a midriff Vicky goes to get lunch. She got on a midriff. Like, Vicky going to catch a stomach cold. Yes. But my absolute favorite costume in the entire film, the costume where I said, this is the greatest film ever made. At one point, someone is training in the virtual reality. Mm-hmm. And the operator says, have him fight Bandit. And Bandit is dressed like Hamburglar. Yes. Bandit has on an old tiny robber outfit with black and white stripes, a robber mask, and a hat. And he is Bandit. Yes. And I said, well, there, the I said, Ruth Carter, I'm glad you've you, met your man. I'm glad you have your Oscars because if the costume department from Expect No Mercy ever gets a hold of an actual budget, that's ball game for you, Miss Carter. <laughs> yeah, the hamburglers, like, all he needed was just a bag of uh, <laughs> McDonald's hamburgers. Yeah. They'd be running away. Yeah. It would have been 100% hamburger. The costuming part I thought you were going to mention <laughs> it was when Billy Blanks is called to infiltrate this virtual <laughs> arts, virtual reality martial arts academy. <laughs> and he pulls up to the academy, <laughs> gets out of his car. That's right. And he's got this, I don't know, this members only type jacket on. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a baseball cap. Yeah. He gets out of his car. Stops a beat and feels the need to turn his baseball cap around because he's undercover. Because he's, he he's undercover. He's undercover. Undercover. Turn his baseball cap around and unzip his jacket <laughs> down to his belly button. Yeah, because of course he has on no shirt. Well, what, if you got muscles like that, you don't need no underneath. Shirt. Muscles keep you warm, so that so that his brown. Can show as he runs up the steps with his black sweatpants with one leg tucked into his white socks. Yeah. 
Yeah. That is a choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's one that he commits to. Because at one point, when he's in virtual reality and his avatar shows up in virtual reality, the first thing he does in this super scientific technological landscape of virtual reality is unzip his virtual <laughs> reality shirt so that you can see his virtual reality chest. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Oh my God. First of all, you... Shame on you for selecting this movie. How are you going to say it's, is it? Is it May? It is May. It is May. But we didn't have to watch this because it was direct the video. Is it May? It's, 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 it's May. Okay. And it, it, it may be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> is this May? This is this movie. First of all, first, first, first of all. Because we haven't even mentioned Spider. You, like you talked about spiders, you didn't say what spiders' deal was. Well, spider is—he's one of. Wait, I'm mixing spider up with the other guy. You're who's mixing up with guy? Alexander. Alexander, whose deal is he has an iguana. He has an iguana that he takes with him on missions. Those are all of his missions, not to sick on people. No, just to leave in the back while he goes on the mission. He's a good luck iguana. <laughs> <laughs> good luck I said well sure good luck I mean look shit we've got clowns bouncing around first of all you dress like hamburger first of all I'm mad that this movie steals the plot of Enter the Dragon <laughs> this is 100% the plot of Enter the Dragon the government goes to who they feel is a martial arts artist yeah. who who they they can sneak in yeah. to this academy yeah, yeah. that is in some far flung place. Yeah, oh, I think it's I think it's like upstate New Jersey, <laughs> right? Where he 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 will blend in. <laughs> well, hey, he turned his baseball cap around. Job well done, Billy Blanks. <laughs> Where obviously these virtual reality martial artists only practice their martial arts in the virtual reality. <laughs> because when you see them in actual reality, right. doing their huh, huh, it is some of the most uncoordinated, baffling pieces. Of, if they had just done Taibo, it would have looked so much more coordinated. The, the, the Taibo tapes are much more in sync. Than this, that this was horrible. Well, you know what it is. You you can tell. You know, all jokes aside about the costumes. Did you notice no one's uniform fit or or matched? No. I think they just told people if you have a black shirt, just show up or black pants or black pants. Yes. You know, black undershirt, fine. Black vest, fine. Black overalls, fine. Black half shirt, fine. Just make it black. Just make it black and we'll show make it work. Yeah. And they made it work. And you're talking about they stole the plot from um Enter the Dragon. Like quietly when they were doing the training and, and, and when he first started training and then uh the operator said, Well, let's try this. I said, Did the Matrix steal this from from Expect No Mercy? No, I don't want I don't wanna I don't wanna think that. 
Did it, you, like it made me uncomfortable. It's a little eerie though. It was, like it made me like at one point they actually went to like a dojo, and I was like, "This is is he really?" Like I kept waiting for the dude to say, "Free your mind." I know, I know. Um, there is one moment though where I can't, I can't, I can't believe I actually did laugh. It gave me a genuine laugh in this movie. Oh, what was that? The big fight at the end. Yes. With Billy Blank's agent Justin Veneer. Yes. Fighting Wolf Larson. Wolf Larson, yeah, oh yeah. As Warbeck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their big fight, which is easily, and I lie to you not, ladies and gentlemen, 15 minutes too long. <laughs> it is already about 10 minutes. And then there's a whole nother 15 minutes of this fight. All the fight sequences are so long and slow. Like you would think, speaking of the Matrix, like you would think this was the most well choreographed, almost dance. But there is a moment where Wolf Larson gets a punch, like a couple of shots in on Billy Blanks and knocks him to the ground. Mm -hmm. And he turns from Billy Blanks. And he says, ha, I thought you were going to be much more competition. And he turns around only for Billy Blanks to kick him square in his face. Yes. I howled at that moment. <laughs> I said, that was beautiful. It was so edited perfectly. It was right. like in mid-sentence where he caught him in his jaw. I was like, oh, my God. Could there be more? What can we stop the scene? But no, the no. scene has to continue on for another ten minutes. Yeah. At which point, Wolf Larson and Billy Blanks proceed to take off each other's shirt so that they can continue in sweaty abundance which for the rest again, of the fight. And this is why you would think they would establish that Justin Veneer is a real man. No, no, they who don't. likes women, women, no. women. No. But you don't get that. No, you don't get that. You don't get that at all. Um, and Billy Blanks, let's let, let's be fair. You say that he was a like a little bit of a low rent, you know, action hero. Billy Blanks, if you look at him and his physique, his hairline not was standing, you would think that he might make it as a as an action hero. Actually, shows up on some bit parts in some of the Arnold Schwarzenegger See, movies and stuff like that. Here's 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 the and we'll we'll talk about this. Much more next week. Yes, yeah, solo. Yes. I think people did not understand the charisma. People underestimated the actual charisma that someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger had. Mm -hmm. And much like we have talked about the flailing about that a lot of the studios did try to recreate Eddie Murphy mm -hmm. and not really understanding what made Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. I think there is a whole genre of films that did the same thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Where we'll just get a muscle guy mm -hmm. and put him, you know, he even tried there, are even one or two moments in the year where, where Justin Veneer tries to have a little one liner. Oh, there's more than you a few. Know, oh, time for you to get steam cleaned. Yeah, and yeah. I do think I, I think there there are certain actors 
that have that it factor mm-hmm. that you can't quantify, you can't bottle, and you can't recreate. No. So, so as much as Billy Blanks and Billy Blanks had a pretty long career in this lane, like the yeah, he made seven, eight movies, but he's just not. No, it's just not there. No. Like I'm so glad that Tybo worked because you know I like because yeah, they won the brother to bro, I'll, you know I love a brother to win and 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 he and won he won he won he won yes but but you I I'm not surprised at all that that he never and to be fair the history was there he started he started his career as you know in martial arts yeah, yeah as yeah, trainer yeah. um and then because, he's clearly a martial artist right and yeah. because he's like a trainer to the stars and they see the physique and yeah. everything like that he gets to connect in into the movies that history had been written earlier with bruce lee right the difference is like you said there's the an it factor that you just don't have if you look at episodes of the green hornet where bruce lee started mm-hmm. as the sidekick you cannot take your eyes off of him. Even when he's just there. I, I was just about to even say, when he's just even when there. he's not doing martial arts. Yeah. Like the scenes where he and the Green Hornet are kind of just talking. Mm-hmm. You cannot take your eyes off of Bruce. Some people just have it. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Billy Blanks does does not. He's, at least like at least in this context. Me shooting blanks. Right. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. So are we done with the movie? Not yet. Okay, go ahead. Would you recommend that people see Expect No Mercy? I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, unless you like, like I do think, I, I do think. Unless. No, 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 no. I do honestly think that there are some people that were too young to know what we're talking about. Okay. Like, like I, like, like this, like this, this moment in time that we, we've seen kind of a shadow of mm-hmm. over the past couple of years mm-hmm. when all of the new streaming systems, um, sites, all the streaming services took off and we got this huge pr- proliferation of content. Mm-hmm. Some of it better than others. Right. <clears throat> I do think there's an entire generation of people who don't really understand like like there was a whole subgenre in film industry you know you talk about canon and and you know golden globus and and these companies and i feel like you should see an example of something from this period and i don't think this movie is any worse like like if you put your hand in a hat and pulled out one of these movies and you pulled out expect no mercy Mm. and like i've never seen what you know i'm 30 years old. I've never seen any of these movies. I took it. I put my hand in a hat and I pulled one out and it was expect no mercy. And I go, all right, go ahead. You watched it now, you know, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's May. I'm not going to recommend any of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you recommend it? No, I'm not. I'm not going to expect uh, it's May. If you reach into the hat, you pull out, expect no mercy, sure. you put this on, now you will shoot your hand. Because I mean, you do not need look, to if your watch, hand expect- is in if your hand is in this hat, 
in this hat. Yes. You know what you're pulling out. Yeah, yeah, but what's better than this? The movie we watched the trailer for. We watched oh, the trailer for oh, another Billy TC Blanks. TC two thousand. TC two thousand with uh, Billy Blanks and Bolo. Yeah, Bolo. Yeah, Bolo was in TC two thousand. See now that would be better. Yeah, just just right there because it's got Bolo in it. it. Just Bolo alone. Bolo makes it, makes it worth. The, yeah. Now, okay, I will sit through and watch yeah. Bolo. Yeah, Bolo. I'm not going to watch Billy Blanks and Jalal Marhi, <laughs> Lebanese superstar. Oh boy, no, I'm uh, not. So can I tell you my favorite Billy Blanks thing of all time? You don't think we'll get another? Time to drop this. This pro, this this may this be, nugget. This may be the only time that we ever discuss Billy Blanks for quite some time. For quite some time. <laughs> so, so this is my favorite Billy Blanks thing of all time. No exaggeration. I think about this at least once every three or four months. Okay. Billy Blanks has a son named Billy Blanks Jr. Billy Blanks Jr is was married because I looked it up and they got a divorce in 2016 to Charnel Brown. Do you know who Charnel Brown is? Well, you know who Charnel Brown is, but do you know who Charnel Brown is? No. Charnel Brown was the actress that played fun girl on the episode of good times <laughs> that it was talk. Speaking of cutting edge technology, <laughs> it was the CB episode where Michael was pretending to be JJ on the CB mm. and he was talking and he was talking to fun girl and she played fun girl because she liked to have fun. She liked to go roller skating. She liked to, to, to go mountain climbing. She liked to dance and come to find out that fun girl was paralyzed. Mm. It was wheel was wheelchair bound. So she was lying about all this. Oh, and that the, the, the show was about how you lose your identity. In in CB culture, it's very cutting edge. So she played her. She also played <laughs> one of the students at Hillman on Different World. Oh, okay. Where where there was an episode where Gladys Knight came to campus, and there was a contest to be Gladys Knight's backup dancers. And and Brown played a girl who wanted to do it with Jaleesa and and Whitley. Okay. And then she kind of showboated and got. So those are her bona fides. But most importantly, okay, she's the daughter of Johnny Brown. Johnny Brown from from good, most famously from Good Times, who played Bookman. So what that means is that Johnny Brown and Billy Blanks for a long time were in laws. Oh, and at least once every three months, I think about what happened. When Billy Blanks and Johnny Brown met for the first time. Now, wait a minute. Are you sure you're... Uh, I'm 100% sure. Hold on, hold on. What, what, am I sure what? Only because I looked up Charnel Brown. Yeah. And the first Charnel Brown that's coming up, I see, is Karen Charnel Brown, who played Kimberly on A Different World. And I know that's not who you're speaking That's not about. who I'm talking about at all. Okay. Yeah. So, it's another, there's another yes. Charnel Brown. Because right, I, I want to see if I know this person. Look up Fun Girl. You think that, from yeah. Good Times? I'm scared. I'm scared. Okay, maybe yeah. Don't just just don't do fun. I don't just, know Fun Girl, Good Times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Miss. I try to keep my phone. 
you know, you got her. I got a separate pad for the for <laughs> certain for certain Google searches. Um, I see her. Yes. I do see her now. Sharon Brown. Sharon. I said Sharon. No. Sharon. Sharon Brown. Yes. Okay. Yes. Married to Billy Blanks Jr. Because I don't really care about neither one of them. What I really think about is Johnny Brown <laughs> and Billy Blank sitting and talking. And like, what did they talk about? What did Billy Blanks and Johnny Brown talk about? Did they get along? Did Billy Blanks like good times? Was he one of those black people that thought good times brought down the race? If Johnny Brown could throw a kick, Billy Blanks had a role for him. Did Billy Blanks try and get Johnny Brown in shape? Like, what did they talk about, Lynn? I hope he didn't try to get him in shape. Because that was not a successful story. I mean, right, but like, what What did Johnny Brown, what did Bookman and Billy Blanks talk about? I don't know. At least once every three months, I think about that. That's the truth. That is the truth. I sit and I think, Johnny Brown and Billy Blanks were in-laws. I used to say they, they are in-laws. I mean, you know, before Johnny Brown passed. Hmm. Huh. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, ladies and gentlemen, I will, but now I will haunt you too. I invite you to I follow the B Show Mission. Two men, You'll one broadcast, every black Brown film ever made. Like, go to MichelleMission.com where you can hit swag and check out all the cool designs we have for your buying pleasure by way of our good friends at T Public. You can also like the B Show Mission and follow us on social media of your choice on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at me show mission subscribe to the me show mission on youtube where you can become one of our followers and never miss any of the cool content that we're putting up we put up three new shorts uh just today as we broke down the top five they should be legends so look for that on youtube at me show mission the me show mission if you want to get in contact with us is available by way of email you can email the Michelle Mission at M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Or why don't you leave us a voicemail? I know you want to do it. I had somebody actually reach out to me asking for the number because they intend to leave us a voicemail at 215-867-9666. That's 215-867-9666. Leave us a voicemail and let us know what's on your mind. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of The Podglomerate. ThePodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. And we are brought to you live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. from the Video Content Factory in Maniunk. VideoContentFactory.com. Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace. And it is palatial in here. Can't you tell? It's beautiful. And it's only going to get better. So get in contact with Terry. Get in contact with Devon. You can't talk to Dylan because he's ours. All right. I bet Johnny Brown is the one who told Billy Blanks to shave his head. Next week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, we continue with Mother May I Have Another One of Those Bad Black Movies. And it is my time to bring you a film that I actually have always wanted to see, but it was a movie that I prejudged for years as one that I wouldn't enjoy. And now, thanks to the mission, 
I get my opportunity to finally sit down and watch one of my favorite actors in the world, star of rapping himself, Mario Van Peoples, was tired of playing just another cop, couldn't hack it as a rapper, and some say was just so-so as a cowboy. So now, Mario Van People tries his hand as an android. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Android soldier. An android soldier for hire in Solo. Solo. 1996. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was also a Jamaican oceanographer in Jaws 3D. Oh my God, I forgot about that. How can you forget Mario Van Peebles, Jamaican accent in dreadlock wig as a Jamaican oceanographer in Jaws 3D. Because I I only saw that movie the one time in the movie theater. So this is a shark. Oh my God. I was young when I watched that movie and I knew it was a piece of shit. <laughs> I've never returned to it. Never returned to it. But he found his way to Solo, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, Solo. Next week, here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb, with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. Demi Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.